0: the Freedom pact so I just mentioned that before I came on I was listening to your song the unknown um, going into this new year I know you just made a video around this concept but going into 2023 what does that song and this message mean for you and your motivations going into a into a new
1: year so um I I wrote that song uh, first off every time most of the times, I start to write a song. I just come up with a riff first, and then I I write lyrics to that to that riff. But the the lyrics are usually uh, something meaningful to me, um, and then something that I try to make that's like kind of anti cliche, mm-hmm. things that have been said before, but I want to say them in a more clever manner or, or something like that. I, I try to stay away from cliche. Um, but this jumping into the unknown—that's nothing that hasn't been said before. Um, and I feel as though it's thematically stuck with me throughout my entire career. One of the things that when, when I was coaching weightlifting, uh, at the university of, uh, or Texas A&M university, it's like a little thesis that I had where I would work with, uh, collegiate athletes. Um, and not these, these are. This is it was a club. So people would sign up for this. It wasn't like we recruited weightlifters, but uh, kids in university, you know, college students, uh, as we call them here in the States. I know college is different in in the UK, Um, but college students, they receive a syllabus at the beginning of the year or sorry, the beginning of the semester from their professor. Professor says, all right, this is what's expected of you. And usually it'll say the percentage of your grade per each thing that, that is on the syllabus. So the student literally sees a hardened outlined guideline as to exactly where they're needed, what they're needed to do in order to get an A plus or, or whatever grade that is. And That's just not how the world works. And, and what I noticed when I was coaching these, these people is like at every stage, they said, you need to tell me exactly what to do in order to be successful in weightlifting. And what I quickly learned was like, there's so much about weightlifting. There's so much about strength training and physical culture, let alone just like professional life that is unknown. And the only way to go about doing things that are in the unknown is to kind of do them yourself and and coach yourself. Uh, I have three A's that I think about, and that's accountability, uh, auto-regulation, and autonomy, not in any particular order. But we'll start with auto-regulation. If I give you a a thing that you you need to do, like weightlifting, let's just say, because that's something that's prevalent in my life. If I, if I tell you to become a weightlifter, you have to be able to auto-regulate your program to know how you want to recover or what sort of dosage you want uh, of your training. So you can train harder, you can train lighter, you need to be able to auto-regulate. The autonomy comes with, okay, instead of just throwing my hands up and saying, to my coach, you need to tell me exactly what works. I need to be able to experiment. I need to be able to do this certain things on my own. You know, usually people like, I'm not saying to not take advice from people by the way, but what I'm saying is to be an individual in the way that you approach things because no one else is inside your mind. Uh, And then the final one is accountability. And accountability is just being able to hold yourself accountable to do the things that you need to do without external sources. And so that's essentially what that song is about. That that video, which I'm assuming that you're referencing, that I just came out with, that's what that is about. And uh, it's really cool to be able to put some some music that I work really hard on to uh, to those lyrics that mean so much to me, and then be able to put you know uh, video of the stuff that I love, strength training, over the top of it.
0: Yeah. And it's a fantastic video. I do encourage everyone to check that out. I've been a, um, a follower of your YouTube channel for a while now. Um, and just on those videos you mentioned, it was the, the fitness content that first, you know, that really first brought me in. And when I was, uh, fresh out of university, I used to, um, I used to consume a lot of fitness content, a lot of which now I lock on and, and I would never advise, um, a young person to, to consume, um, mainly because a lot of the people I watched, I got drawn into watching a lot of what you would call charlatans. Um, and on on that too, um, I think Joe Rogan recently praised your definition of the word charlatan. Um, just to set this up, I wonder if you could sort of define what that is and what that type of person looks like uh, to the, to our
1: audience. Uh, it just says a person falsely claiming to have special knowledge or skill of mm. fraud. Yeah. Um, and I actually use that def- definition in the, the Liver King video that I made with Derek for more plates, more dates. Um, but there there are things that I use to determine what I think is a, a charlatan. And one of them is like the in-group versus the out-group. Uh, the other is uh, sacred knowledge and then profiting. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a couple of other you know, pretty major points. I've, I made a video called um, how to spot a charlatan hmm. and that's on my YouTube channel. Um, so if you just search how to spot a charlatan, you can find that. Um, but that is where I ha- I go into more, what I would call like the charlatan's playbook. And these are things that I think determine the difference between valuable influence and valuable salesmanship and then being a charlatan Mm. and i think it's important for us to notice the difference and to know it so that we can call it out Uh, because there are people selling supplements there are people selling workout programs i sell workout programs um i'm not saying that simply by selling things you're a bad person uh but what i believe is that the the charlatan kind of really creates division and doesn't and and a lot of it has to do with narcissism in the way that they they show like they they market what they want to market and it's i don't know for some reason it's just really damaging to my psyche to go to look at this sort of stuff and so like i had to take a step back and like understand why I cared so much and why it negatively affected me so much Um, and that's what made me want to to pursue looking more into charlatanism Mm -hmm. yeah on that subject of how to spot one um, Mm -hmm.
0: I remember being a teenager and first starting to get into the gym and I used to Watch the a lot of YouTube content, and I came across this guy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, called Mike Chang. You, six Pack Shortcuts, he was called. Yes. Yeah. And I remember, I remember watching his content and thinking, this guy's, you know, he's, he's got all the answers to to all my prayers. He's he's telling me that, you know, why I need this. Um, you know that he's got knowledge that no one else is pouring out. That his way can get me to my goal. You know. 10 times as fast. And these, these are probably all telltale signs that I would encourage, you know, teenagers to look out for today when they're, you know, looking for a source of inspiration.
1: Yeah. Those, those are the sort of things that I'm talking about. And I, I don't know. um, I don't know too much about him in particular, Hmm. Um, but it's like absolute statements. And like I said, in-group versus out-group, I think is my least favorite Or the, the, the biggest one for me so like while the charlatan exists no ideas outside of theirs can exist at the same time yeah no no so that's where i draw the line it's like uh um there's a couple of examples um the guys they're goda they call them greatest of all time athlete is the is it's a it's an acronym and while their ideas exist, no other ideas can exist about training. And the only, they are the gatekeepers of acceptable training modalities. And that's, and if you hear them speak, that is how it, they speak. Um, you have to plead with them to make sure that something is allowable. And then once it is allowable, it's only allowable under the guidelines that they've provided. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so staunchly against like, For example, like regular style training, Mm. compound movements that you would find with a barbell and maybe some dumbbells because of some rules that are unscientific in themselves that they had invented. They are so staunchly against it that they can no longer give way to any bit of it. So they actually have to go on the attack and attack it constantly. So anyone that utilizes those movements is you know, effectively an idiot or a moron in their, their eyes. Mm. And they have no issue saying stuff like that. And that's where I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to attack people, you get to be attacked right back. Right. I think in, in that, in that way, I don't usually go on the attack on on even charlatans. It's just when they start to reach out and start to poke and prod at, at different people, creating this in-group versus out-group that's where I usually have an issue and that's where I just make a piece of content on it
0: yeah I mean there's there's almost a playbook for it they they almost like a carbon copy of the traditional sort of self-help business guru that we've seen for the last 10-20 years selling their you know their online courses and, and books and in that vein what advice would you give to somebody who may be maybe new to their sort of health and fitness journey who's trying to not necessarily charlatans but try to discern what information is of, of of good faith and that information that is used as a sort of marketing tool because i'm thinking back again to when i was younger there there was so much information out there and you can basically find a study to tell you that anything is you know anything is any argument is right it's it's quite a dense world of information. It's hard to kind of sift through and find what is good advice.
1: So I, as far as like, you know, here's the thing that's interesting about the charlatans there. You're only a sucker for them if you pay them. Yeah. You know, so, and if you can discern like, Hey, I'm not, just not going to pay for their stuff. Um, that's okay. But it, the, I, I think also there's, you're, you're a little bit of a sucker too. Now that I think about it, if they've, Clouded your mind and limited what you can do before you've done it. So, like the beginner should be open to a bunch of different things. The beginner should um, should not close off. And if you find yourself and you're a beginner and you get on board with the Gota guys, well, you've closed off ninety nine percent of training now. So that that's I, I guess now that I think about it, th- that's where that can be you know negative as far as looking through for valuable information and and looking through where to start because I agree there's there's quite a bit of things to parse through um there's there's a lot of empty cans clinking around on the internet as they say and I you know it's it's really hard for me to to say how the best way to go about that is Mm. um you know, I, I think that I think there is plenty of basic, I, I would say, all right, fine. Um, strength training is going to be your best friend. I think uh, whether you're a male or a female, so the basics of strength training and those are undeniable and, the, and you can find those on YouTube very, very easily. And then you can find a very basic, basic program around strength training and what you need to learn how to do is utilizing strength and strength training as an adaptation for for general fitness Um, because right now the beginner can go outside and walk and then while they're walking jog you know 20 meters and then stop jogging and continue walking. And then tomorrow, you know, they could try jogging 40 meter bouts at a time and then so on and so forth. And they could progress right now without any guidance at all because humans walk and we run and like, there's not much teaching involved there, but the weight room is a very hard place for people to step into because there's people at all different levels and it's scary for a lot of people and that, you know, sadly that's the case, but it really shouldn't be at all. And it, it really isn't once you kind of gain a semblance of experience with it. Mm-hmm. So I guess this might be too broad of a, an answer for you, but what I can say is if we start somewhere, I would say general strength training. And if you search for uh, movements like the back squat, the deadlift, pull up, push up, uh, you know, um, bench press, overhead press, front squat, those are things that are just undeniable helpers for people.
0: So I mentioned that there's, there's a lot of information out there and you know, there, there are a lot of you know books on this top on these topics. And I think if you tell someone that their bad habit is actually good for them, you're probably going to sell a lot of books. Um, and there's a lot of that going on out there, but I think in the, the field of health, um, there are a lot of really credible guys out there. I personally enjoy, you know, like Andrew Huberman's content, for example, real science-based stuff. I just wonder, to get personal with it, who are some of your favorite uh, guys and, and girls out there to consume their content?
1: Yeah, uh, I think Eugene Tao is really great. Uh, he is, again, a, a guy who um, provides that basic strength training, and he's very eloquent with his speech, and he's he he doesn't use absolute statements, Um, he would be a guy to check out. Alan Thrall Mm -hmm. is a good one. Um, There's so many. uh, I mean, even like Omar Esau. These are all YouTubers, big prevalent YouTubers, I think uh, you could go for. It depends, like if you want to get into some sort of specific niche. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even like Jeff Nippard, He's he's like the biggest name I've mentioned so far. He's, I think he's very solid, and he's usually very science based and very fair and even keeled and honest. Hmm. Um, there are aspects of you know Greg Doucette and his message, as loud and crazy as he can get. Um, I think, yeah. I, I, I honestly, if you if you gave me a second, I could i could give you guys a lot of 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 different people to 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 subscribe to and that actually is like a an interesting video that i could make Hmm. you know just like people to subscribe to that uh that'll set you on the right course yeah
0: i love that now
1: you mentioned um
0: just rewind, and you mentioned uh, the liver King video you um, you were involved in what exactly for our audience out there before we dive into that what was your involvement in the
1: creation of that video so I had uh, been messaging Derek back and forth Derek for more plates more dates he that's his like YouTube channel he's a very uh, popular YouTuber he's been on Rogan a few times I'd been messaging him back and forth and um, he basically said, you know, I I really like the way that you, uh, you make some of your content and I have an idea, um, for you or that we could both work on. And, uh, he said, you know, I just want to know if you're in first before I send it your way. This is some pretty crazy information that I have. And he He said that you have made a video on this guy before, and uh, I have some information about this guy that I think we need to make another video on. And he basically said he gave me the whole shtick about Liver King. Uh, He said that his friend had some knowledge from Liver King, basically saying exactly what uh, performance enhancing drugs or steroids that he had been taking and he needed guidance He also provided blood work. He provided all of this via email. And then those emails had made their way to Derek. And so immediately I said yes. And then I basically got to work. I tried structuring out this. It ended up being an hour long, but I wanted it to be right around 45 minutes at first. Um, And that's without going over the blood work, which we never did. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so I structured it out on an outline. I sent the outline to back to Derek, like within 24 hours, he said, this is great. So then I went ahead and started my part, which was about the charlatans, which we had talked about earlier. Um, I'd finished my part relatively quickly. He didn't have any issues in that. And I felt that it was necessary to put that in there. One, so that I could add some sort of value other than the production of this thing. But two, it's because we wanted to come at the liver king at something slightly deeper than just the steroids, right? There are people. I I think that the steroid use, like, really isn't even that bad. Like, and that's going to sound crazy, right? It and. Even the lying about the steroid use. It's, it is the, the total, utter wool being pulled over people's eyes as to the, the like palpable, visceral salesmanship, marketing, and charlatanism that is occurring right in front of them from this guy. He, he's, he's essentially a WWE character who will say whatever to sell. And he'll use it under the guise of something that is not what he's doing. And so directly not what he's doing. And yet it works and it works very well. So we wanted to develop something that is not just about the steroids. And that's... That's essentially what I think people ended up missing the mark on the the most common response from anyone was, Oh, you shouldn't be shocked. We're not shocked. We're not shocked that he's taking steroids. It's like, yeah, of course you're, you're not shocked, but you should be shocked at the fact that everyone just allowed this to occur and laughed about it the entire time. It's like what we do with Jake Paul and Logan Paul and anyone who's up top, they become this kind of lovable heel that we can just laugh at. We can say, ah, fuck those guys, but you know, they're a little, they're pretty entertaining and I respect their grind type of thing. It's like, okay, well now that we've exposed them, we can all shit on them and, uh, and I don't respect their grind. Well, what happened to that person that just kind of allowed this lovable heel to exist before Mm. the, the big example that I talk about is when liver King was at the UFC event. I forget which one it was, but it was in Vegas. And this is where I thought like, okay, this guy is really crossed the threshold into pop culture. And like, it's going to keep going. And, you know, they pan through the audience, the UFC does. It's like, oh, here's Halle Berry. Here's Zac Efron. And there is the liver King. You know, these are, he's in the same breath as a list actors. And he's like waving at the camera or whatever. Do you think now? If liver King shows up to a UFC event, which he has, do you think that the camera is going to pan to him? Do you think that the, Uf- probably not? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he could recover from this. I'll, you can never say never, but it's different now. It's different now because we look at the man differently, not just because of the steroids, which to no one was a shock. No one was shocked about that. We can hear it over and over again, but we needed to build that case, Derek and I. And so that was my purpose. It was in the first half hour of the video. Then the second half hour was the emails, which Derek went over. And obviously only anyone really cared about the emails. But at least we put out there that thesis, that centralized statement, because to us, that was what this was about. It really genuinely, genuinely was. There are fake natties that exist. And if we had the same information, we likely wouldn't have posted anything about it.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the UFC event there. I remember, I think it was when the Queen died. I think he flew to the UK to stand outside Buckingham Palace and eat some liver and try and get on the TV cameras. And I remember thinking, is there any lengths this guy
1: won't go to? No, and no, he won't. And um, it's very weird. It is, a, it's, this is a, see, this is, these are the things that my mind just gets consumed by is, what is, and I won't. I don't want to say plaguing our society because it just sounds so. It sounds so cliche at this point to to talk about social media in such a negative light, mm. uh, but he became this guy, this monster. And maybe, maybe the. I don't know. I you know we don't know anything about anyone, and and we'll never know anyone unless we can see the actions that they've portrayed and and can kind of make a determined idea of that he could be this like you know legitimate egotistical narcissist he could be or he could not be he could be fueled by the social media thing by a bunch of yes men by a bunch of marketing people we don't know we don't know anything about that we don't know anything about this guy and and we we'll, like i said we will never know I think we can that that is our this parasocial relationship that is developed over social media is something that is incredibly interesting, interesting, and I think needs to be written about a lot more and and more extensively researched Uh, because it is it's so strange and it's so palpable. It's just very, very weird. Yeah, and I
0: think it's important for people to understand um, why this is so important, why uh, what the problem he was creating actually was and i was speaking to um james smith yesterday who i'm sure you're familiar with Um, yeah he's my friend he's my good friend he's a great guy so i was talking to james yesterday and i was telling him a story of when i was um, younger and i went to a really big bodybuilding convention in in england um so i traveled up because one of my favorite bodybuilder um online fitness youtuber personality people were there I really wanted to get a photo with this guy. I was a young guy. I thought, you know, this was the guy's physique I was really aiming towards. Mm-hmm. I remember I traveled up, I took a photo with him. I was buzzing. And then I came away and I looked at the photo and I I just I re- I felt really bad about myself because I was stood next to this guy. We looked absolutely miles apart. I remember thinking I could do everything and I'd never ever look like this guy. Um, and then I was walking out of the booth. Um feeling quite dejected and um, the sponsor of the stand came over and they gave me this can of BCAA drink and I remember looking at it and, I'm th- and I remember in the time thinking this must be it like this must be the difference between me and ex-bodybuilder that I was stood next to and I, and I remember reflecting back on that and thinking my insecurities have been really marketed uh, on in that moment and so I think that's a similar problem that you know, liver king was creating for, for kids today.
1: Well, so like let me um I love playing devil's advocate, especially against something that I've totally argued myself. Yeah, yeah. So um have you ever heard the it like that's the the saying don't meet your heroes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In in essence, if you had believed in yourself enough just from watching and looking at that person and you mm. go to the gym and you go crazy, you go hard as fuck because you believe that you can attain something like that. Yeah. Uh, that guy's doing his job and you're doing your job as well. Yeah. And then once you meet your hero, everything kind of feels a little bit weird mm. and, and you, you see how the sausage is made, so to speak. Hmm that's when things get very strange that's when people feel that they've been you know crossed they've been double you know they've been they've been lied to yeah um but that person got you there that's got true. you involved and uh that's about as far as i'm going to be a devil's advocate for that for that person but something i can say is that i've had a lot of that i've had a lot of that in my life and i'm sure a lot of people will have that when they look at me and And, and I know they have, people have seen my content. They've told me this and they've been like, dude, you're, you know, you're the best weightlifting content on online. You know, and, and they'll follow me and follow me and follow me. And then I can, I know that they stop following. There's a certain point and that's, uh, that's good. You know, I I can't hold on to someone for forever. I want them to go off and figure out their own thing. It's kind of the same thing with me. I I obsess over athletes. I obsess over them and be like, this is it. These are the guys. These are guys. And then three years later, well, I don't know. I I guess I'd watch a little bit of them, but I don't, I used to be obsessed with them type of deal. Mm. That's just kind of like how it works. But something I I came to realize when I was with James, and it's funny that you mentioned James um, because I can circle it back to him. I was on his podcast. He was here in Austin. And one one thing I said to him was like, man, if you show me uh, two magazines and one of the magazines, you have a ripped, super fit, super athletic dude. Uh, And then the other one, you have like a pretty healthy, pretty lean dude. And I find out on the that the the latter of the two that the pretty lean, pretty healthy dude has made time has has a wife and kids has work life balance uh, has goals and aspirations uh, has invested his money uh, has hobbies has good friends has very good stress mitigation throughout the day maintains his relationships has good sleep nutrition lifestyle Mm. if i hear that about that guy who has the body that's just kind of normal but healthy yeah that is the man who i look up to Mm. and and i'm not even saying this to be hyperbolic here like that is i've actually come and experienced that like um when i see a man interacting with his wife and kids Like, and I don't know what this, there's like this visceral response in me that I'm like, that's my, uh, that's a guy right there that I'm looking up to. Yeah. And, 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 and if I see him working and then interacting with his wife and kids, and obviously this is not something that happens behind closed doors, he could have, they could have horrible relationship issues, but again. I don't want to see what they're like behind closed doors. I, what I see right now makes me feel like, wow, that's a good role model. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's switched. And I don't know when it switched. I'm 32 years old. So it kind of is like, all right, like the, these are the people that I look up to now, but to kind of tie it together, right? Like, I don't know that that would have ever happened if I never had the realization that a lot of people in the fitness industry are full of shit. Yeah. My heroes are the people who have good lifestyles that I wanna live. When somebody has a good body that I wanna have, their lifestyle could be something completely different. Hmm. I want to be able to peer into someone's lifestyle. Now, here's the crazy thing that's happening, okay? people cure or they curate and they curate their lifestyle for for social media so we don't actually know what their lifestyle is yeah they curate meaning they can show you their quote unquote morning routine <laughs> and they can show you interactions with their wife and kids that are completely fabricated in bullshit that's the next level of social media uh charlatanism and that's one that I'm gonna fall pray to i am fucked if that's if that's fate if, you know you know what i mean yeah but at least that's the level where i'm at now if that makes sense
0: yeah for sure
1: that's where man i this is actually something that i do need to make a video on i made a tick tock about it hmm. uh i call them uh lifestyle charlatans yeah. yeah and they will curate the lifestyle of not caring of the lifestyle of having a good lifestyle and low stress. And yet the whole thing is curated, Mm. which is wild, man. It's all subversive. There's nothing subversive about what liver King does. Okay. It's the oldest thing in the book. Take a bunch of PEDs, get jacked, sell whatever it is you want to sell. And it's going to continue working Mind, mind you, that'll never stop working. But this new thing of being like, show off your incredible lifestyle and your, stress mitigation and your ability to do things that you want to and smile throughout it that's a new thing and that's that's something that's very interesting to me
0: for sure it's sort of why i've fallen out of, i gotta write that down you <laughs> get it down man it's why i've sort of fallen out of love with um you know the, the sort of personal development space you see you know you see so much of that and, and, and people telling you what you know what you should be doing what well, they, like you said, well, their morning routine looks like how they, you know, they you know, they they go to the gym, they smash their goals, they're in meetings all day. And like you don't ever see any of the stuff that, you know, when you're sat on your sofa or cleaning the dishes or, you know, watching 20 minutes of TV a day, you suddenly feel like a piece of shit because you're like, you know, these this is the like these guys are so successful, they you know, they don't do any of this. But when you come to realize that you're just seeing as you said, what they want you to see?
1: Nothing is spectacular um, because if it is spectacular, it's been done before. Mm. But what can help people are different ways of speaking. I, I, don't like, I don't like to think like along the lines of hacks or <laughs> things like that. It's different ways of thinking and speaking, even though you're doing the same thing. Um, gamifying certain things that make things better. I feel like I've done that my whole career is gamify things. And that's something that James has done tremendously. Well, there is nothing. And James will be the first to tell you this. There is absolutely nothing he has ever said that is sexy and new and game changing. He'll be the first person to fucking say that even in his new book, nothing is sexy, new or game changing, but His experience through life is individual, and it will remain such. And he's allowed to talk on that and speak on that and observe certain things and to give advice. We we can't be so staunchly against charlatanism that we are staunchly against coaching and advice. I'm not saying to go and do that. But um, yeah, it it, it is definitely something to, to think about is, is when, again, to, to circle back to meeting your heroes. What advice is really game-changing for you? Well, it's hard to know what that's going to be, um, but it's important to, again, know that you need to be autonomous, you need to auto-regulate, and you need to be a- accountable. And those are things that when you do those things on your own, then you can start taking pieces from different people. It's the holding the hands out and saying, tell me exactly what I need to do so that I can get to this place that I'm not even sure I want to be. And, and, and that's like over and over and over again, I see this and it's in training. It's always in training. It's always in the gym. So it doesn't really matter that much, but how much of this is what people do in the real life, like, or in the real world. Like I I have the greatest example of this. And, and if you're listening, I'm sure that you can relate to it in some way. You're in primary school we or elementary school. You start to take your first standardized tests so that you can be placed in high school. You take you go to throughout high school. I don't know what you guys call high school. You say, yeah, high school, yeah, high school, high school. You go through high school, you take your next uh, standardized tests. Those are going to place you in college or university. You go through university, you take your next form of standardized tests. So you can get your grades. Maybe you go on to graduate school. So you can go into further debt. Then you are supposed to take your, uh, your, your diploma, this sheet of paper, and you're supposed to march up to somewhere and get a job because you have it. You build up in that job. You build, build, build. Uh, you get hired further and further. You find a nice wife. You you have kids. You get uh you know you invest in a home. You invest in a bunch of different things. You build. You accrue this wealth. You retire and you die. Everything is actually mapped out, and, and it's a pretty good map especially living in in the United States. Mm. The problem is it is that none of the process is based off of self-interest and based off of things that you want to do. And none of the process is guaranteed. So even if you do hit all of those things, doesn't mean you're going to be happy. What it's going to do is take away from the anxiety of the unknown, like we were talking about before. Mm. And, and this is just, it's just continually something that I'm noticing is like, there needs to be some level of like, okay, I'm going to try and just do some research on my own here. And I'm going to f- try and figure out how I can do this on my own. And, and I'm going to experiment. And just the fact that I'm doing means that I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a great you know, analogy for this is, uh, in the, the jerk overhead. So you need to get the bar from either the front of your shoulders or the back of your shoulders to, to then overhead. Yeah. Now in weightlifting, it's going to come from the front rack always. Cause it comes after the clean. And I have people who have issues in the jerk. So sometimes they go to what's called a power jerk, which is where their feet do not split. And then they go to the split jerk where the feet obviously do split and they can be like, wow, I'm, I'm much better at the power jerk. So I'm going to switch to that. Uh, and then they'll be like, man, I really should be split jerking, blah, blah, blah. They go back and forth because they don't know which technique they want to use. And every time I tell them the fact that you're here working out, you're still doing better. Yeah. So you're, you're experimenting and you're wondering if what you're doing is optimal and what I'm here to tell you is it doesn't really fucking matter which one is optimal. The fact that you're here doing shit will make you, you will wor- it will work for you because of that. And I think more people need to hear that in their regular lives. Okay, is this little side hustle that I'm doing? Is, that, um, is this the most optimal thing? I don't know. Do you like it? And are you continually, consistently doing it? If either of those are true, then yes, dude, continue to fucking do it. If you're improving at any metric at all and you like what you're doing and you can do it consistently, never stop doing it. Jesus Christ, you are lucky to have found that thing. And so that it is this, I don't know, metaphor, metaphor. Uh, uh, that I have gotten directly from training that now is directly something that I can see in people's lifestyle in profession in the professional world that just needs to continually be told over and over and over again and I I've said it a million times on my YouTube channel and I don't think I'm going to stop I'll just continually have different examples of it
0: yeah I love this stuff because you you don't just go down the, the sort of just the fitness content on YouTube. There's a lot of mindset stuff like this. I love this stuff. And there was one video I remember watching of yours. I think it was called the the toxic champion mindset.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I love that, man. We were talking about, you know, all these attributes like selfishness and just wanting to dominate for, for dominate's sake and all these things that are anything, but virtuous, anything, but the things we were always taught, In school when it comes to competing and and that it's almost more of a curse than a blessing I wonder if do you think there's any advantage to a a coach teaching like a really promising athlete in pro sports you think this guy could go all the way is there any advantage of teaching them these traits like selfishness and wanting to dominate is there any uh, benefit of teaching almost the opposite of what we were taught when we were kids
1: I would say it's not a good, I mean, you have to be certain that this person is, has, is, is a 0.001 percenter. You know, if you get a one percenter, a genetic one percenter and a, and someone who's performing at the 1% level, that's not good enough for you to then be like, Hey, be a selfish prick. And I'm, I'm serious about that because there are, one percenters the entire nba is compiled of one percenters right but there's only michael jordan yeah and that is the hyper winner that's what that that's what that video is about now if someone was to say to michael like hey man like here's some hacks for you to uh be the biggest selfish asshole Mm -hmm. um but you're gonna win uh six championships in, in in a decade like um here you go Then maybe, but as a coach, no, you just coach and you let the, the individual athlete go as they go. Uh, I think it's just too much of a risk. The reason I made that video though, is, is for that reason, like you had said, is that none of these things are virtuous. None of these things help society in any way whatsoever, but we are so absolutely attracted to the hyper winners of the world that it doesn't fucking matter. And that's why a guy like liver King can, can crush and a guy like Jake Paul and Logan Paul, these are the hyper winners. These are the hyper elites. So they get away with so much. And it's like, well, if we don't define the lines of what is virtuous and what it is that they can get away with, they're going to k- get away with a lot of shit, right? It's almost it. I'm glad you brought this up because that essentially is why the liver King video was so important to me. And I wish people were able to understand this is that that toxic winner mindset video is, is, or sorry, the liver King is a product of believing that he can be Michael Jordan. And, and, and the, he, it is a product of what we as a society allow people to get away with because they're such hyper winners it's crazy donald trump is the example of that the hyper winner regardless of if things bad uh, bad things occur if you do not allow shame to endure as this narcissist if you do not allow these things you you continue to march and you march and you march and you march and you march i mean how many times and this is a term that I got from, from Derek. (laughs) How many times are these guys going to do a rape and reload NFT of their, of their following these fucking rug pulls? How many times are they going to continue to do it? And then they'll have a boxing match and no one's going to give a fucking shit. Mm. Right. But when something bad happens, all everyone comes out and says, yeah, we know they're bad people. We know they're shitty. No, well, you didn't fucking know they were (laughs) shitty or you weren't saying this, you know? It's, it's, it, 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 those two things can tie together. It's this like anti-shame narcissism that, um, it's a very scary thing, man. It's a very scary thing. And my relationship to social media, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm fucking, I'm a nobody on social media when compared to some of these juggernauts. But it definitely affects me too. It's like, I don't want to just be a selfish narcissist. Like, I, this is not benefiting anyone but myself. But then if someone tells me, you know, hey, your content really helped me out. It's like, holy shit. Okay, this is actually pretty cool what I'm yeah. doing here. You know?
0: It's interesting though. Know, we, you know, we've been talking about Charlton's and you've you've mentioned once or twice about the example of like a Jake or a Logan Paul. And I think that's, a, that's a, another perfect example because if you look at Logan Paul, you see someone who, again, he's probably got that champion's mindset where he just, you know, thrives in most things he does and, you know, on YouTube, podcasting, WWE, whatever. And everyone, you know, builds him up as this champion that everyone admires. But then when he gets called out on something really shitty, I'm not sure if you saw that coffee yeah, um, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. So that came out and just showed that, you know, Superman doesn't really love you the way that, you know, you love him. And, clearly doesn't care about his audience as much as you might think. And again, backs up this idea that in this championship mindset, there's a lot of selfishness now. And then I I remember seeing that video come out and seeing the reaction and just people, it was proof right in front of their faces, but no one really wanted to believe it.
1: Yeah. You know, again, this is weird because like, what harm did michael jordan cause i don't i don't know um i'm sure there's arguments that he there that could be made um but then if we look at if we look at logan paul we can argue and we can figure out places and and spots throughout history where he has done harm uh in this most recent one with the nft thing or it's nft crypto whatever yeah this, this rug pull where he just kind of left and took a bunch of money, or at least we think he's taken a bunch of money. That's harm. That's harm to people. Um, that that, as far as I'm concerned, that stuff used to be jailable. And I, and I think there is a distinct difference there. Like if Michael Jordan can be a toxic asshole to a bunch of people and live a tormented life and win championships, that's one thing. But if Logan Paul replicates that and affects thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, into losing money, now that's a different thing entirely. Mm. So, so I don't know what we, how how we, you know, get th- get those differences out and extrapolate who's a bad person and who's a good person. Mm. I think it's just it's just important though. Like again, one.
0: Um... Last thing I wanted to touch on before you went, there was a video I'm on your channel I was a really big fan of. Um, and this is someone who I, again, in the past, I've been a massive fan of and for certain areas. But I, I remember you you reacting to a, a Jordan Peterson video on nutrition. Um, yeah. And he was I was watching it and I was really confused into what it was really confusing to watch because he started mixing in the argument of woke narcissism with nutrition and um, I think he said plants and bugs for you and your children, peasants. And I remember thinking like, is it that deep a politics and nutrition? Should they have, you know, do they have any sort of crossover and, and why should we maybe listen to a psychologist for food advice? I remember being quite perplexed by that video.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I think that look to, to, to maybe heed his argument uh, in this, it is, there is a ton of government control on what makes, what is most prevalent on the shelves uh, at grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, you know, based off of people's lack of education on what they're eating, that's a direct effect of the government. So what I brought up in that was subsidies uh, of corn Of grains and dairy um and and certain products that uh you shouldn't base your diet around Mm -hmm. and those are the most prevalent subsidies in america and i think that that ultimately is what can cause obesity on a mass mass scale yeah uh and i he talked about the food pyramid a little bit as well that's it yeah and there is a uh there was somebody who argued against his argument against the, the food pyramid, if that makes sense. Basically, the food pyramid was uh, it, it was laid out as the most essential thing for you to eat was carbohydrates mm. um, and and people staunchly disagree. And I think Jordan Peterson coming from a position that he's in where Michaela, uh, whom I, I just met a couple of weeks ago, where she only eats red, red meat. meat. Yeah right uh you know they he he has a somewhat of a bias uh but i'm i imagine he's like a little bit more balanced than people think you know he would say like how dare you say that grains are something that we should be basing our entire diet off of essentially um now the argument against him is that people make their own decisions and um, the food pyramid actually isn't that bad. And in, in, in fact, if we were able to eat less calories in general, uh, we would be, we wouldn't be in this position. Yeah. The food pyramid recommends a certain serving size for each thing. And it's actually not that bad. Um, but look, that's an idealistic approach. I feel, mm-hmm. and it, Lane Norton made this argument and I'd love to talk with him more. Um, I've met him before. I actually did a podcast with him once. I would love to, to kind of hear him out a little bit longer and hopefully get him to be considerate of considering other things that may happen. You know, the ideal approach is, Hey, you know, the average American 2000 calories getting decent amount of protein, but then if you follow the food pyramid, you'll be all right. And that's true. But the problem is the way that, uh, you know, grocery stores are structured the way that nutrition is dealt with in America, if we look at the food pyramid, you might not get the 2000 calories, the way that you, the, you know, the, the promise of eating a fulfilling diet, it kind of diminishes at that point. So that was kind of the argument that he was making as far as like the feeding you crickets and things like that, that gets into a little bit of this conspiracy theory thing. I have seen though cricket protein and bug protein on TikTok quite a bit, mm. like being sold on TikTok. So I don't know what that that's all about. Um, yeah. And then it's kind of this weird thing. It's like, why should we listen to a psychologist on uh, nutrition? And I get that point. I really do. Um, but at what point does, you know, the bias of authority, like. Why would anyone listen to me about anything? If, you know, if you go down, it's like, where does that line of, of whatever it is? And I think if you are being very, uh, you know, you're being very stern and sure of yourself in your words, then people begin to go like, hey, who the fuck are you? You know, like, why, why should we listen to you about this? You're just a, you know, a clinical psychologist. And that's true. That's an important thing to think about. But you know, if we keep marching the goalpost back, it's like, why would anyone listen to Zach Tellander about anything ever? Mm. And there can be an argument to be made that, like, yeah, you shouldn't listen to me ever, no matter what I say. Yeah. We we can always move that goalpost back. So it's it's a tough one to to mess mess with. And 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 it's something that I think people need to consider no matter what.
0: For sure. And it's like, why should we listen to uh obese health minister that we that you know your, your country may have i guess you could you could argue that as well you know the opposite
1: yeah yeah I mean th- look that's an important argument to make
0: yeah
1: what are people people's biases and what what is their burden of proof that they are legitimate in what they're saying now when what i think that is unfair is like this person must have a phd in order to talk about nutrition This person should not give any mental advice on, on mental health unless they are a clinical psychologist. Well, is that always the truth? Should we always be doing that? I don't know about that. You know, you should not give any advice about anything unless you've gone to a university for an extended amount of time and have gone into debt for that thing and proved it. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous to think about, but you know, it's, it's again, to be able to play both sides of it.
0: Well, man, I've really enjoyed uh, speaking to you today. The the last question I have for you, I ask every guest, regardless of the topic. Uh, It's a personal one for Zach Talender right now. What makes life worth living?
1: Music. Love it. Music makes life worth living every single time. Every single time I hear it, every single time I play it, it always makes life living.
0: Love it. Well, on that just before you go i always i always ask as well about maybe a couple of books but i'd like to spin it or a couple of bands that uh, bring you a lot of joy or artists
1: ah okay so uh recently this guy named bill murray b-i-l-m-u-r-i you know named after bill murray like the actor is pretty funny i just had him on my podcast i really liked his stuff it's a mixture of pop and metal uh Let's see here. I've got my Spotify open. Love so, it. yeah, I think, uh, what what bands? Du-du-du-du-du. Man, you're putting me on the spot. I know, oh, it's too- a tough one. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> too many. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, just for me, I listen to everything. I, I, I swear, I, I guess, you know what? This will be a better answer for you, is that if it sounds good to your ear, don't deny it. Mm -hmm. Um, seriously i I think those people in metal who have this attachment to it this this attachment this emotional attachment to the music that's really cool and that's why people are obsessed with metal but if you hear a pop country song and you're like this is kind of kind of good like don't go away from that listen to it why do you like it why do you like this and go explore i think music is meant to be explored not sold to you uh, so that's why Spotify is amazing. Yeah. It can it be explored with, with an algorithm. So that's, that, that's it.
0: Love it, man. Where can these guys listen and watch and find more and connect with you?
1: Uh, youtube.com slash Zach Tellender. I think that's my hand. I think that's my handle. Cause they changed that with like the new year, but where you could just search my name, Z-A-C-K space T-E-L-A-N-D-E-R, uh, coach underscore Z-T. On uh, on Instagram, and if you want some programming and maybe some extra content, go to Patreon.com/slash Zach Tellender. It's only five dollars a month for programming. Love it!
0: I will link all that in the description below. Zach, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks for having me.